Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a mom of three kids, ages two, five, and seven, and I live in Southern California. And I'm Megan. I am the mom of five kids, ages six through 17, and I live in Michigan. This is the Mom Hour, part of the Life Listened Network. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 58 of the Mom Hour. I'm Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. How are you? I'm great because we have our follow-up to last week's episode about personality types, and I'm really excited to actually do the reveal this week. Reveal. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Drum roll. If you you missed us last week, um, we talked about personality tests and personality types. So specifically, we talked about Myers-Briggs and Enneagram, and we are going to reveal our, the results of our tests, and hopefully some of you listening along took those tests as well. Um, and we're going to talk more about what it all means. Yep. Okay. So we're going to start with Myers-Briggs, right? Let's just launch right in. You have right. a very, you, you said you've taken this test many times and always, many times. so give us the result. What is it? Drum roll. I <laughs> am an ENFP. I am... Um, when, and if you go to 16personalities.com, which I recommend cause they have cute little personality avatar types, mm-hmm. that is the campaigner. Okay. Um, it is, let me see. So I guess, should I go through the letters and what those yeah, ones mean? Let's do, okay. Yeah. Go letter by okay. letter. So, so letter by letter, it would be, I am ex, I am extroverted. Okay. I am intuitive. Okay. I am feeling and I am okay. perceiving. So, um, it would be as opposed to being introverted, um, intuitive versus, oh, I always screw this sensing. up. Sensing, I think. Sensing, uh-huh. feeling versus thinking, thinking and perceiving versus judging. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'll, I'll read a little bit from this and, and then I'll tell you why I think, um, this has never changed. Although I do think it's interesting that you get yours different a, a lot. And I wonder sometimes if that's because you're, like maybe you're getting into it and a little bit of your contrarian nature comes out mm-hmm. and yeah. you doubt your original results. <laughs> Although well, I did that's say, true. <laughs> I did say also, I've tried to skew mine before and I've never been able to. Yeah. And we'll get into that too. Cause I, I also have a theory. It's the way some questions are worded. That's it's specifically true. A, a specific category of questions that have to do with kind of um, empathy and other people worrying about other people's feelings. I think there's a little crisscross there where I, yeah. Anyway, continue. Yeah. Okay, so I'll I'll read the first paragraph because this is the one, this is like what I think of as the fluff paragraph that totally just makes you feel great about yourself. (laughs) And then when you dig in a little bit further, you're like, oh, okay. So the campaigner personality is a true free spirit. They're often the life of the party, but unlike types in the explorer role group, and uh, 16 personality also um, kind of like takes the four types and puts them into groups of four and like further subtypes them, which I think is interesting. Um, anyway, unlike those other types, campaigners are less interested in the sheer excitement of, and pleasure of the moment they are in uh, than enjoying the social and emotional connections they make with others. I believe that's true for myself. Charming, independent, energetic, and compassionate. They are awesome. And the 7% <laughs> of the population that they compromise, comprise can 
certainly be felt in any crowd. Okay, that all sounds great, right? Yeah. Yay. Happy Let's, Megan. <laughs> happy Megan. Let's go to weaknesses, shall we? Then <laughs> they gave me some strengths too. But like my weaknesses would be poor practical skills, finds it difficult to focus, overthinks things, gets stressed easily, highly emotional, independent to a fault. All absolutely true. So there's always two sides of every coin and that first little paragraph that makes you feel so good about yourself, you know, that it's, it's, it's just one, it's just kind of just one part of the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so interesting. And have you, you've taken different types of tests. Have you yeah. come across different descriptions that, I mean, cause so much of this is in how it's contextualized for us, right? Like you yeah. said, like, and that's, I think there's a lot of different stuff or are you, is it pretty consistent across the board with the way ENFPs well, are? I have to say, I really like, Maybe they're, maybe it's just become, maybe people are just doing a better job with um, these descriptions. I want to say like the first few times I took Enneagram, t- or not Enneagrams, uh, Myers-Briggs tests, it would say things like it would refer to me um, as life of the party. I never really saw myself that way. I definitely think within a very small party, <laughs> I could be the I life of it. I think you're the life of a party personality though, just as an outside. I mean, I, I definitely think you have really like in a good way, you have really like generous energy when you're in a group of people, meaning like you're, you bring up the energy of a room, not mm. the opposite. I'm not just trying to like pat you on the back, but Thanks, I'm so just, you can keep I'm, going. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just concurring. Yeah. I think life of a party doesn't have to be like the girl, like with a lampshade on, on her head, dancing on a table. Not like I've never been that person either, but say, that's I've not probably yeah. been times when you are also that life of a party. But I also think it has to do with like energy contribution yeah. and you definitely bring and I have other like close people in my life I pair well with people like Mm -hmm. that um my high school best friend Sarah is I think has so many parallels to you we've talked about how some of our besties are like you know similar to you versus me whatever but um same thing like always so fun to go somewhere with her because it was like bringing a party and it doesn't you don't mean that literally like it like the lampshade on your head it's just bringing somebody who who brings in energy into a room so I would say you are yeah well thank you and I think as you're describing that I think where one way I kind of express that or one place I excel in that kind of situation is I'm not the life of like the whole party if there's 400 people in a room I'm not really interested in most of them but I could be the person in my little group Right. Who you're, gets you're everyone like up on corner, their feet. That corner where everyone looks over and be like, whoa, those people are having a lot of fun. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it is a little bit different way of looking at it. And I just think – I think the tests now and the, these results – I think that they've just really upped their game, a lot of these sites, on giving really in-depth um, – uh, you know, analyses that kind of go beyond that superficial, like, well, you're an extrovert, so, you know, you're crazy all the time and right. you're, you're, you know, you're intuitive. So you're just like always going with your, your gut feeling. And that's true. But I mean, there's more to it than that. So, right. Right. So I don't know. I want to hear, I want to hear about yours and what, what it's revealed. Okay. I'm going to reveal mine in a second, but I want, I have one more follow up question. Sure. Do go you, ahead. Have you come across, because you've been paying attention to this longer than I have. Have you met or come across or bonded with other ENFPs where you've really said, I, last week's episode, I kind of poo-pooed this, how it sometimes feels like a, this false yeah. sorority where you're like, oh my gosh, me too. But have you come? Have you been close to other ENFPs or come across them in your life where there really are some true fundamental similarities? I have, off the top of my head, I can think of one of my very good friends. Now, I haven't had all of my good friends take these tests, so I don't know for sure. <laughs> you're, you don't just keep them in your no. pocket. Like. Yeah, exactly. Um, I only do that at the Beyond Retreat. Um, yeah. But I've had, I have maybe one friend right now who is an ENFP, and um, it's interesting. I She might be my only ENFP friend, which is weird, isn't it? But maybe mm-hmm. not. Like, maybe there's a reason I'm more drawn to, generally, people mm-hmm. like you or Jenna, who I think mm-hmm. may even have the same, may have the same type in both. Butters as me. Uh, yeah, I, I know Jenna so. and I are the same Enneagram. Same Enneagram. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and the funny thing is when I first, when she, we both took Myers-Briggs at the same time, this test, and she came up at ENFP, and then she took, took it like two more times at different tests and came up both. And then at first I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't think Lisa and I are really that much alike. And I told my husband, he's like, no, you guys are totally the same. Like, oh, I didn't see it, but he saw it, you know? So I think, I don't know. Like, I don't feel like it's, 
to me, it's actually more interesting when I run into people who are that opposite side and I can, I can see why I'm drawn to that person mm-hmm. because they're much like somebody else like you or, or, you know, somebody else in my life who's also that other type. Okay. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. And, and maybe guess- that's one of those things where like ENFPs, maybe if we, maybe it's hard to have two life of the parties in the same party. I don't know. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? So true. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. All yeah. right. I'm, I'm about to pull up mine. All right. Ready? I can't wait. Okay, so I'm going to use this, the results from 16 personalities because I do. I loved their test. That's the one you used. And also, I do love the way um, they break it down into some other um, traits that aren't just the four letters. And so I think that might be a little bit more accurate for me. But I tested ISFJ. Um, which is the defender personality. So that's introverted, sensing, feeling, judging. Now, I mentioned last week that it's the middle two letters where I seem to have, like, I've tested differently. So I have also tested ISTJ recently on a legit test. And then I self-diagnosed myself a few years ago as INTJ. Um, that I think we can set that one aside because I was, <laughs> I didn't take the test. And it's <laughs> never happened for you in any other circumstance. Also, you've INTJs are, uh, there was once one of those, like if Harry Potter characters were Myers-Briggs, you know how, if you see those, yes, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, oh, and Downton Abbey. So there were two. So INTJs, God love you all because they are a great personality, but they are either Snape or O'Brien. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I read yeah, Snape. I remember that one. And yeah. I was thinking O'Brien would be the next character so that you really, wouldn't want to be. I was really indignant about that. And it that turns out I, I never actually tested INTJ and INTJs are often really brilliant, really cool people, but in literature and they don't do, they don't fare they don't so do well. well. All right. Yeah. So back to, I, I think John, I actually think John is an INTJ by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I'll I have mean, to look that one up in a minute, but right. So sensing versus intuition and feeling versus thinking is where 
I, um, when you look at that continuum of how extreme did I score, depending on the test, um, that is where I have tested differently. I still, when I think about it logically, that's funny that I just said that. <laughs> I, I think I'm more of a thinker than a feeler, but I have tested with that F here. So we're going to go with it. Um, I'll read the, the paragraph. So the ISFJ personality type is quite unique as many of their qualities defy the definition of their individual traits. Though possessing the feeling trait, ISFJs have excellent analytical abilities. Though introverted, they have well-developed people skills and robust social relationships. And though they are judging a judging type, ISFJs are often receptive to change and new ideas. As with so many things, people with the ISFJ personality type are more than the sum of their parts. And it is the way they use these strengths that defines who they are. So that's the happy part. Um, so it does say that it's a large proportion of the population, nearly 13%. Combining the best of tradition and the desire to do good, ISFJs are found in lines of work with a sense of history behind them, such as medicine, academics, and charitable social work. I don't know. Mm. See, I just feel like none of this really sounds totally like me. But, um, okay, so I'm going to read one more little bit. The challenge for ISFJs is ensuring that what they do is noticed. That's true. That's totally true for you. Yeah, totally true. Okay. They have a tendency to underplay their accomplishments. And while their kindness is often respected, more cynical and selfish people are likely to take advantage of ISFJ's dedication and humbleness by pushing work onto them and then taking the credit. Totally I me. <laughs> <laughs> ISFJs need to know when to say no and stand up for themselves if they're to maintain their confidence and enthusiasm. Yeah, see, I don't know. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I, I mean, a little part of that sounded like you, but most of it yeah. really didn't sound like you. But okay, so this part, naturally social and odd quality for introverts, ISFJs utilize excellent memories, not to retain data and trivia, but to remember people and details about their lives. When it comes to gift giving, ISFJs have no equal using their imagination and natural sensitivity to express their generosity. I don't know. I just feel like all of this is like 30% me. What so, was the other one that you tested as? I-N, no, I-S-T-J, which I have up here. Oh, okay. Um... So I'll just, this is, a, I'll read this really quick. ISTJs, oh, I don't know about this one. ISTJs <laughs> are you, often okay. called interest inspectors. They have a keen sense of right and wrong, especially in their area of interest and or responsibility. That's totally me. They are noted for devotion to duty. Punctuality is a watchword of the ISTJ. The secretary, clerk, or businesswoman by whom others set their clocks is likely to be an ISTJ. So that sounds more like me to me. Actually, I think this is Jenna. When I'm reading this. I think she, this is what she got. The ISTJ? Yeah. So I switched over to another site in reading that because that's what I had up on my browser. But um, I'm very curious, listeners, if others have tested differently, especially in either of these. So what's wrong with me, people? Why can't I take the – why can't I test the same? Uh, yeah. Well, and they're, they're alike enough. Uh-huh. I wonder almost if you're, like, going in and looking at this um, – I'm not going to say like a job, but like, so taking it so seriously. Well, that is my number one personality trait that you're that, having, that you have a hard right. time then. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. So it's just, it's interesting to me. Like, I feel like now I've kind of gotten in the routine where I'm going to take it and I'm, I'm okay with where I am and I'm, I'm not really that worried about it anymore. And I'm not really coming at it that I'm not coming at it with a super objective eye anymore. Right. right. Where maybe if I was more like a type like you, I would be wavering because I'd be less satisfied with my type. I don't know. That's interesting. I know that there are a lot of questions in both tests I took. There's a lot of questions and this must be, um, I'm trying to think of which pair of letters this, they would be going for. Um, but I think it would be thinking or feeling the T and the F, which makes sense. Cause that's the one I've kind of flip flopped on. Um, where there's questions about when you are, I mean, they word the questions all different ways, but there's questions about, do you, is tact more important than being right? Or mm -hmm. do you um, look for a solution or a compromise where everyone's happy and create harmony? And I feel like that's a big situational if for me. I do uh -huh. have a strong sense like of right and wrong and I can be a little righteous in my head. But I think I'm also fairly diplomatic. And in most cases, I am able to you know, strive for harmony or let it go if I don't need to be right this time. Does that make sense? So there's like... Yeah, but can't you just choose that middle one that isn't either? I do sometimes. Oh, okay. And then, yeah. Yeah. I, well, in fact, a lot of my, I, I have quite a few of those neutral or, yeah. or just to the either side of neutral. It's interesting. Yeah. I don't it's know. funny. I have a lot that are just to the side one. I don't have a lot of totally neutral ones. I have a lot of answers that are just one or to the left, you know, one mm -hmm. to the right or left and a lot, a lot that are in extremes, but not a lot in the middle. Yeah. That's funny. 
So well, I I'm very curious if our listeners are ISTJs or I, what did I, I already forgot my types. ISTJ and IF, ISFJ. And I looked um, at John's and I think he's actually an INTP. I, I just looked at him again. Okay. Okay. Um, which is, hold on, I'm gonna look at it again. Cause I think it's fun and relevant. The logician. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to quickly mention that I just looked at the Downton Abbey <laughs> type and I am Anna and I am not happy about that because she is the oh. worst. I'd yeah. rather be O'Brien than Anna. <laughs> I mean, I liked her at first. You know, I liked her I for like two seasons. I think their storyline. I, I got very tired of their storyline. It just, I but mean, I every... I person. Ugh, I don't know. <laughs> she was so whiny. No, Daisy's the worst. Daisy's actually the, the actual worst. But I just, by the end, I was like, okay, Anna, you can just be happy. Just be happy, Anna. I know. You know I, like, everything I blamed was... that more on the writing. Like, I felt well, like the writers right. just kept screwing well, over. I mean, she is a fictional character. So <laughs> no matter what, we can blame the writing, right? <laughs> it's not, it's yeah, not like there's actually an Anna out there who is, you know, like just at the mercy of the writers. So I don't know. She is, yeah. and she's an ENFP, clearly. <laughs> exactly. Ugh. so funny. Uh. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, solve my problem, listeners. If you're a Myers-Briggs expert or if you have a favorite test that you think or a favorite um, diagnostic tool, then you can help me solve my conundrum. I'm just going to probably go back and take like eight more tests after this. Uh, I did want to say that um, I had sub- several of my kids take ENFP tests or ENFP uh, Myers Briggs tests. It all tests. revolves around you, doesn't it? it? All, yeah, it's all about me, and I'm going to take all the credit. Um, and it's really hard to tell with kids because I think they're just not terribly self aware yet. You know, mm-hmm. and so they don't know what they would do in any given situation. I mean, when I was 10 years old, did I know whether I was more a person who would go to the edges of the room or to the middle. I just feel like those are things you realize about yourself as you get older. But I will say, um, Owen and Jacob both got ENTPs, which are the debater. Mm. Um, follow the path of the unsafe, independent thinker. The ENT personality type is the ultimate devil's advocate, thriving on the process of shredding arguments and beliefs and letting the ribbons drift in the wind. <laughs> it is so true for both of them. So yeah. although Jacob didn't really believe it was true because he's a debater and he doesn't right. believe in it. You know what I mean? Like right. every, he had to find the other side. Right. Um, it was very true for them. So I think it's worth having them do it. Even if you don't completely agree with the results, having mm-hmm. your kids take the test. And that's another reason I like the one at 16 personalities. I swear I'm not getting paid by them, but yeah, it's really cute. And like, yeah. it's fun for the kids to do it. It's yeah. like, yeah. you know, it's easy. Interface. It's engaging. And- yes, exactly. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Yeah. Well, should we move on to Enneagram? We should. All right. Well, just in case you missed last week's episode, in which case you're probably just completely lost right now, um, we explained the Enneagram, which is, a, I think, a little lesser known personality test, um, and it comes up with a number for you. So we'll talk about our numbers. Um, and there are nine, according to this method, there's nine different personality types. And do you want to go ahead and reveal your number and yes. tell us about it? I am a two. I am the helper. Um, when I took the test, I wanted to be seven, the enthusiast mm-hmm. and took it like four times. Cause I was really convinced that I was, it was wrong and I was going to get the enthusiast. And as we talked about last week, I'll just really briefly sum this up again. Um, yeah. I think I like the Enneagram cause I think it goes a little deeper than, um, than Myers-Briggs and that it really goes to like your basic human self. Like who, what is mm-hmm. the essence of who you are, what you fear and what motivates you. And mm-hmm. basically everything else can kind of grow out of that. Mm-hmm. So in mine, um, the basic fear is of being unwanted or unworthy of being loved. And I read that. I was like, ugh, that sounds so needy. <laughs> it really just sounds really needy. And then the basic desire is to feel loved. Um, and I am an Enneagram with the three or two with a three wing, which makes me the host hostess. So that means, as we talked about briefly mm-hmm. last week, it also kind of like then ties you more closely to the number on either side. So right. if I'm a two, I could be a two that leans more toward one, or I could be a two that leans more toward three. And I'm a right. two that leans more toward three. Okay. Um, but basically at its essence, what this means is that I feel really good when I am being helpful to other people or when other people, you know, appreciate and love me. And if they don't, then I don't feel good. And then I'll start to like spiral out of control. I mean, like, it's kind of funny <laughs> reading the descriptions of like the really healthy version of a two is basically like, you know, earth mother, nature, nurturer, you know, unselfish, everyone likes them, blah, blah, blah. And then if you get down further into the unhealthy, I'll use just a few of the words that they use here. 
manipulative, self-serving, domineering, and coercive, feels entitled to get anything they want from others, the repayment of old debts, money, and sexual favors. And then at the very, the, the very worst part, um, you basically become bitterly resentful and angry and become a histrionic personality. So, <laughs> that's I know, no good. If you go to the unhealthy level in each of these types, it's hilarious. It almost actually. always leads to death and destruction. It, it like does. Either suicide or homicide or yes. institutionalization. <laughs> yeah, I think John's, and he's an eight. I think his actually said he'd become like a domineering dictator or something if left unchecked. Now, the good news is I feel like I generally fall someplace in the healthy or average levels. Like, I think mm-hmm. I've generally speaking like a three or a four. Sometimes maybe I'm like, and, and when I say three or four, I don't mean, um, the any it gets a little confusing like not the enneagram number but your like health level within yeah, that yeah, yeah. number yeah um i think i'm you know kind of like at the top end of average most of the time now i will okay. say when i was way more unhappy as a mom when they were when the kids were really little i was more toward like the unhealthy and i was definitely a martyr and i was very codependent and possessive and self-sacrificing in the way no one wants to be thought of as self-sacrificing you know the very like you know hysterical and doing it for attention kind of thing that I definitely have those tendencies and it was very uncomfortable reading that about myself right instead of what I thought of as oh the enthusiast they're this energetic person who's just out there like discovering new stuff and that sounded great to me and that is not at my very essence what motivates me you know it's not who I am so I don't know yeah it was it was revealing for sure I wrote a blog post about it that we can link to. yes we will definitely link to that um, and I think, like you mentioned this in last week's episode, that it's almost an indicator of a well-done test or a well-done system if you keep getting the same result and aren't even, it's not even the one you really want. Right. <laughs> because, you know, then you know something's at work there that, it's, yeah, it is a well-designed set of questions. Um, so, all right, well, do you want to know mine? Yeah, of course. I, I already know yours, uh, but I know you everybody know. else wants to know yours. Um, so I am a one. And the one is called the reformer, the rational, idealistic type, principled, purposeful, self-controlled, and perfectionistic. Um, So I'll just read a couple sentences. Ones are conscientious and ethical with a strong sense of right and wrong. They are teachers, crusaders, and advocates for change, always striving to improve things but afraid of making a mistake. Well organized, orderly, and fastidious, they try to maintain high standards but can slip into being critical and perfectionistic. They typically have problems with resentment and impatience. At their best, they are wise, discerning, realistic, and noble, can be morally heroic. (laughs) You are a hero, Sarah. I am a hero who tends (laughs) toward controlling perfectionism. I am a, when it comes to that wing where I lean one way or the other, I lean toward the two, which is the helper. Um, I think there's a lot in the description of the one that is right on for me, um, much more so than the Myers-Briggs descriptions. The one, um, I think the one thing that was helpful for me just philosophically is um, I've always ha- had trouble understanding my brand of what you'd call being a perfectionist or an achiever. Um, and in Enneagram, the, the achiever is actually a different type, a type three, um, because I, I was a, on paper an achiever in high school and college academically and, you know, getting good grades, doing things right, going through all. But I never had what I perceived from others as like, I was never doing it for recognition or to be like on a list, like, you know, honor roll or to be in a club. In fact, I opted out of a lot of those things to the frustration of people around me. I'd be like, yeah, I know. I don't care about actually like wearing that thing around my neck at graduation. It doesn't mean anything to me. Um, so this was a helpful distinction between like the reformer is sort of doing things right for the sake of doing them right or doing them well for the sake of doing them well. Whereas an achiever is more, and it's not right. It's not good or bad, but an achiever is, it is a little bit more about the achievement. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, totally. Well, it tell did, read, it ha- read yeah. your basic, the basic fear and desire. Cause I think that also kind of boils yeah. down. Okay. Right? So basic fear is of being corrupt or evil or defective. And the basic mm-hmm. desire is to be good, to have integrity, to be balanced. So it's Which really has, more about yourself and yes. Yeah. Your and, own and personal always, best. Exactly. And that's always how I felt about achievement. And it was a little confusing for me, I would say in like high school and college, being around a lot of high achievers and in, in one way, in one way being very driven as I was, but also not feeling I'm not competitive at all. So not yeah. feeling, um, not feeling that achievement drive or 
competitive drive, but yet having these sort of quite rigid perfectionistic standards on the other hand. So that was a good, like, I would say that this particular distinction through Enneagram was helpful for me. Um, yeah. And here's another thing like about, you know, we talked, we mentioned this in the last episode 57, but I thought it was fascinating when we took, we all did the Enneagram at the beyond retreat last October. Mm -hmm. Um, was that October? Yeah. October. And I think maybe seven or eight people took it and almost everyone was either a one or a two. Yeah. And I think there may have been like one, no, I don't even think there was a three in the room. There might've been like a nine. I mean, there was somebody else who was like kind of like close to one of them or a five. I forget what the five was. Yeah. Um, I thought it was fascinating because, I mean, you can see why, you can see how certain people are drawn to certain people. And so, like, your college best friend was a two. Mm-hmm. Was an Allison a two? Yeah, she was a two. I think she was a borderline between a two and a three, which okay. was unusual. But, yes, she was a two. Yeah. Yeah. And, then, and then Jenna was there, and Jenna was a one. Yep. Which totally made sense. And, like, and then you can kind of see how certain people are, are really attracted to certain people, not necessarily just like themselves, but maybe different in the same way. Yeah. So I would be fascinated to hear, um, because you know, the people who came to beyond retreat besides, you know, your friend and my friend (laughs) were also people who'd read the blog for a long time and maybe identified with one or the other of us a lot. So it's it's interesting. There were a lot of ones there and ones being, they strive for improvement all the time, which is like, I, like I said, different than necessarily striving for achievement, but to be better. So to Mm -hmm. find them all collected at a retreat that's designed for, you know, feeling better about where you're headed with your life is not a surprise, right? Yeah. I mean, like you, you almost collected ones in that way. It it Um, would have been interesting to go back and see and do that test at the very beginning, because I would have liked to have seen how, um, how the different, like the people who were twos in the room, did they take a different role during facilitated discussions, for example? Because I did, I did lead discussions, but I didn't, talk the whole time like it was very much a group like group conversations and everybody was kind of chiming in to help and stuff like that and I would have I would like now to be able to go back and really remember um maybe this year we'll do that so where yeah. we really pay attention to like how do the twos interact with yeah. everybody like how do the ones interact and, and yeah. other numbers that are because it's not like if you're a two or a one you can't come <laughs> obviously <Right. laughs> uh, there were other people there and they had a very good time but yeah it just it's just interesting to see people gathered in a room and find out the similarities and differences, I guess. Right. No, how, I, how do we all end up there? I agree. Um, okay. I want to read a couple other things about ones and then I'll talk about the healthy and not healthy, but this paragraph I feel like is kind of me. Um, although ones have a strong sense of purpose, they also typically feel they have to justify their actions to themselves and often to others as well. This orientation causes ones to spend a lot of time thinking about the consequences of their actions as well as how to keep from acting contrary to their convictions. <laughs> because of this, ones often persuade themselves that they are head types, rationalists who proceed only on logic and objective truth. But the real picture is somewhat different. Ones are actually activists who are searching for an acceptable rationale for what they feel they must do. They are people of instinct and passion who use convictions and judgments to control and direct themselves in their actions. So that's really interesting with regard to my um, schizophrenic Myers-Briggs results, because a lot of the Meyer- Myers-Briggs confusion is around like instinct versus logic that kind of you know whatever those opposing and so um I think that's interesting yeah well it reminds me too that um and I don't want to like interrupt you when you're talking about this no go for it I I went to I meant to go back to the part about the two that I did not find flattering (laughs) that I did not like about myself when I read it so when I first started reading this it was like the first paragraph is when twos are healthy and in balance, they are loving, helpful, generous, and considerate. People are drawn to them like bees to honey. Healthy twos warm others in the glow of their hearts. I was like, <laughs> wow, I'm great. And then I scrolled down. However, twos' inner development may be limited by their shadow side, pride, self-deception, the tendency to become over-involved in the lives of others, the tendency to manipulate others to get their own emotional needs met. Transformational work entails going into dark places in ourselves, and this very much goes against the grain of the two, which prefers to see itself in only the most positive, glowing terms. I was like, that makes me sound terrible, like the worst person ever. But it's true. I mean, those are all things that you can... I guess what I really kind of came away with is this is we're just all our own. We're all just people yeah. and we all have certain upsides and we have things that we struggle with and we have um, pitfalls and traps that we can fall into. And it's so helpful to me to even just have this in my mind like, mm-hmm. because it helps me like 
you know, check my motivation. Am I doing something because I really want to mm-hmm. do it? Or am I doing it because I think that the people I do it for or around will think of me a certain way mm-hmm. or that I can now continue to think of myself in a positive glowing term because I've done this thing. I just think it's really, or when I'm like angry about something, um, if I get upset because I don't feel appreciated or I don't feel like the effort I put in was noticed. I mean, was it even valuable? What I did even valuable to anyone else? Did I actually do right. it for other people? You know, or what did I do it right. for myself? It's it's just a really I don't know. I think it's really helpful to kind of examine your motivations that way and your motives. Um, and so this is why I like these tests. It's not because yeah. I think now I am this type and that's it, and I to excuse everything I've ever done with it. It's more like why do I do the things I do, and then how do I help that keep me from doing things that you know for the wrong reasons or that aren't healthy for me or for the people around me. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. And going back to something we've said a few times already, the we picked Myers-Briggs and Enneagram because it's a fun rabbit hole to fall down. But I think all of this can be, it's like I said before, it's a conversation starter. It's just a framework to kind of start to poke around and see why we are the way we are and yeah. if we want to grow. Um, so I think it's interesting. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's Chewable Kids Vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Um, I am curious about, since we are just, we only talked about ones and twos, um, the, this website is enneagraminstitute.com. And you mentioned if you, if listeners haven't taken their Enneagram test already and want to, um, that one is, oh shoot, I lost it. We'll link to it in the show notes, but where the test is, eclecticenergies.com is where you can take the test. And then these Enneagram Institute, um, descriptions of the personalities. Um, but did you, so Jenna's a two, did you, have you, Jenna's a one. Oh, I mean a one, I'm sorry, you're a two, but have you done it much looking at the other types? Um, John is an eight. Um, he is the challenger. Hold on. I'm going to look him up really quick. Um, I'll just read him while you're looking. So he's self-confident, strong, assertive, protective, resourceful, straight talking and decisive, but can also be egocentric and domineering. (laughs) Eights feel they must control their environment, especially people sometimes becoming confrontational and intimidating. And that's all very true. I mean, his, 
someplace in here, it talks about how he could be a, a hero, which always cracks me up. I don't know where it is. <laughs> I mean, it's very, the descriptions are very long. Um, what's funny is I don't like, I've actually, no, I've looked at a few of like John's personality types and mine compared and we don't seem on paper, very compatible uh-huh. <laughs> in real life. We are. And I think some of that's just because, um, probably because of my particular combination of two and ENFP, mm-hmm. I'm pretty go, I'm pretty, I don't know what the word is accepting. Like I, I kind of can see where someone is and then sort of mold myself to work with mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. you're flexible. Most, I'm flexible. Yeah. Um, I don't think his personality type is very flexible. So it, you'd really have to have someone who was very flexible to make it work. I think, um, mm-hmm. unless they were just matched so perfectly in every other way that it almost, they would almost operate completely autonomously, you know, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. at the same time, he's had to learn how to deal with a lot of my personality quirks, which I think are very, can be very annoying for him because I'm very emotionally driven and I'm not logical all the time. And, um, I can be impulsive and just stuff like that. Like he doesn't get, um, and I can be a little needy or a lot needy. So, you know, he's had to really kind of, and to his credit, like he's really gone above and beyond sort of the typical eight or the typical, I and sure. I think it's yeah. INTJ. I keep forgetting our INTP. Okay. Um, to kind of meet me where I'm at. So yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I haven't had a lot of people come up. I'm looking at the other numbers now. Yeah. Three is um, the achiever. Four is the individualist. Five. I've got a good friend the... who's a nine, and that makes total sense to me. And... I think Brian is a nine, but I yeah. don't. Again, I like to pre-diagnose. Right. And I don't think that's always right. So I, I remember telling him to take the test, and I don't know if he ever did. I will follow up and report back. I have, I think he's a nine, but I'm not sure about that. My brother is also a one, by the way. And this is interesting. So Jenna's a one and my brother is a one. And I read someplace on this website, you can look at your type as matched. With yeah. Someone right. Else's when type. you get your results, it, it, yeah. you can yeah match it up with your partner's type and, and see how it works. Okay. So the hilarious thing was, I mean, we were reading this one night at our house and cracking up. So it's basically like the two of them get a lot of pleasure in just kind of being righteous and judgy together. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, yep. I mean, not like in a, you know, not in a, um, I don't know, like not in a mean way. I just think that they are as a couple, like they have this really, um, sort of quiet and intense sense of rightness about their choices in life because it's two of them. It's not like, it's not like one of them who's trying to right. be the moral center for the family. Right. And then you've got this other one doing whatever that you kind of have to keep pulling in. They're both in that same place. Right. So that gives them like a lot of strength in that way, which mm-hmm. can also kind of make them a little bit of an Island at times, but it works because they don't mm-hmm. care. You know, I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. It's really interesting. What um, about you? Do yeah, you have I think Brian's either a peacemaker or, or maybe an enthusiast, the seven. Okay. But yeah, I will report back. I'm um, I was, right. Oh, I'm, hold on one second. I'm looking right now because I want to. I want to just read a little bit about type two and type eight, which is me and John. So, and, and this is interesting stuff I wouldn't have thought about. So these two types are more alike than they might appear. They're both action oriented and want to have a personal impact on their environment. Both can be sentimental and deeply feeling. Yeah. Both can play the roles of provider, protector, caretaker, and nurturer while devoiding or even denying their own needs. Um, but then it kind of then after that it kind of goes off into what isn't the same. Right. So yeah, I don't know. And everybody's got trouble spots and places where they connect really well. So I guess it's just your job to like work with it, which you got. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you to kind of like zoom out a little bit here. Do you think knowing whether it's Myers-Briggs or your Enneagram type, are there any um, areas of motherhood or parenting where you feel like you've had to learn as an ENFP or as a two uh, to compensate or that it's been a little bit of a struggle. We've talked about, uh, you know, kids climbing all over you and feeling like that yeah. was quite enough touch for the day or whatever. But, um, I'm thinking of things like for me as a one, if my central need is to improve things, make things better, or have them be fundamentally good in air quotes, whatever that means, um, that's a lot of letting go of control when it comes to young children, both yeah. whether you, whether it's letting go of control of having a clean house, which is less, I mean, that's to me at like surface level, but also letting go of control that I actually can make my children become who they, who I want them to be. Right. That like, that there is, that is not, that is not a ref, something to be reformed and right. as a reformer. That's the, like the drive, right. Is to improve something. And when little tiny kids are in your care all the time, it's easy to feel like you can 
make them what you want them to be, whether it's well-behaved or dress a certain way. And I think parenting is constantly letting go of that, you know, that control. So maybe as a one, that's harder for me, I'm thinking. So I think that, yes, that's, that's all true um, for me, except on the opposite side. So (laughs) for me, it's like, because I don't typically try to control other people. And I typically have tried to let everybody figure things out for themselves and become their own people and just kind of help or nurture them through that. Um, Maybe there's been more chaos than there should be at times. Maybe I haven't set rules as firmly as I could for sure. I think one, one definite challenge that I'm seeing now as the kids get older is because I'm a two and John's an eight. It's very easy for us to fall into like good cop, bad cop, or like mm-hmm. he's the mean one. I'm the one who I'm the I'm the one who'll say yes, come to mm-hmm. mom because dad said no. But like try to and not that this is new. They've been trying to work that on us for years. <laughs> but as the, as they move toward teenager dumb, you know, and then we have two teens. Um, I don't want to be the the mom who's like quietly like undermining the dad because you know everyone can sees him as like the authoritarian and everyone sees me mm-hmm. as the nice one. At the same time. I do think that sometimes he can be a little overly authoritarian. And I'm reading this, this, this description of twos and eights. And here's one thing where it says, okay, um, even average eights tend to become proud of their resolutely unsentimental way of dealing with people and situations, while average twos become highly attached to people and overly solicitous about their needs. So John will look at a situation and be like, this is how it should be. Why can't they get it together? Like, why can't these, mm-hmm. like, this is what's the right thing. The kids need to fall in line. And my I definitely tend to be more on the side of like, but here's the underlying situation we're not taking mm-hmm. into account or here's the need, this, the special need this mm-hmm. child has mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And it can be really hard for us to meet in the middle. And it's not necessarily me directly with the kid. It's more like how the two of us figure out yeah. how to co-parent through those yeah. very different lenses. And so right, I would yeah. say right now that's probably the bigger challenge. I, I think mm-hmm. I've kind of worked – I've kind of figured out because I am really nurturing – I guess, I guess I've just kind of figured out this is my style and for better or for worse, I'm not the most organized. I'm not the most structured. I'm, I'm not necessarily requiring the best of my kids at all time. I could do more, but I'm not. I'm that, I am who I am, right? But I don't want that to become a, a conflict point right. in the family right. or for John to be like seen as mean dad and I'm nice mom right. or whatever. And I've seen that in go very downhill in older right. <laughs> like people I know who are adults whose parents kind of kept that role. Um, and I think it could just become really messy as, you know, as kids get older and their needs become like large sums of money kinds of needs. And I don't want to be the mom who's getting up, busting out my checkbook to like cover up for the fact that dad said I should do this on my own or whatever. I could definitely see it going that way if we're not careful. So that's something that I'm, I'm really focused on. And that was a long winded way of saying, yeah. Yeah. No, (laughs) I think, yeah, is exactly right. Because once it's, I mean, we can self- assess and self-diagnose till the cows come home. But ultimately it's life is about relationships and parenting is about relationships. So I think that's where no matter what system you use, it's really interesting to figure out how to work with the people in your house, your partner, your kids. Um, because no, no woman is a two Island. Nope. (laughs) Nope. Oh, well, this has been really fun. Have we uh, covered it all? Do you think? I think so. I'm picturing like two camps of listeners, the people who totally love this stuff and are like shouting at us and will write us long emails about their types and all of that. And then the rest who are like, whoa. They're like, what (laughs) What, was this? What just happened? (laughs) (laughs) Well, don't worry. Next week we'll be back to something resembling normal. But yes. I would actually, if you listened to this episode and hated it, I would love to find out your type. (laughs) I would love to know, like, which types totally thought that was dumb. That was a waste of my time. It would just be really interesting, you know? Totally. Totally. Because I just have a feeling it's going to be people that fall into certain camps who find value in this sort of thing. And then people who fall into other camps won't. And it just makes sense. We're all different. And we all like different things. So I definitely want people... Um, who didn't know about Enneagram but do like this kind of stuff to definitely go take your Enneagram because I think it's really interesting. Um, yeah. And can, can... I personally got more out of my Enneagram than Myers-Briggs. I find Myers-Briggs fun and, and pretty insightful, but I actually was like deeply sort of moved by the Enneagram, honestly, and mm-hmm. that's something that was different for me. So I is it, do you know, it. is it newer? Like, is it newer know. on the scene or did you just I just think it's a little more, un- I think it's a little more woo-woo. 
And so uh-huh. I just think it kind of is under the radar a little bit. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know the history. We, I'm yeah. sure we could find out. Well, let's see. Let me see if I can find it really quickly. No, it doesn't. It's not. <laughs> we will live out. explain it to you. Okay. So, uh, oh, nine, 97. It hasn't been around okay. as nearly as long as Myers-Briggs, but it's still, I mean, that's a decent amount of time. Um, we but I just, it just, small doses it, it just, right. It just, it just reads a little more new age. So I wonder if it's just taking a little more time to be, to get, you know, yeah. to really build up steam. That makes so. That makes sense. Well, again, to um, find everything we talked about, go to themomhour.com. This was episode 58, and we'll, I'll, just, I'll just link to the, all the same resources from episode 57. So wherever you land, you'll get all the tests and things we've mentioned. Um, and then leave us a comment while you're there or send us an email to hello at themomhour.com. And yeah, diagnose me, Myers-Briggs fans. Or, t- or give me a test that will be definitive. Yeah, absolutely. And when we get back, next next time we um, are talking with you guys, um, I'll be able to tell you all about my trip to Yellowstone with the whole family. Yeah, so. the giant family road trip. Yeah. I was blanking out on the, vac- the Chevy Chase family vacation, their last name I was going for. Oh, it was for, Griswold's. But... Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we'll have that much fun, but... <laughs> Yeah, All no, I'm looking right. forward to it. Well, thanks, everybody. We will be back next week. All right. See you then. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.